Hi, welcome back to season three of the Declare Conference podcast. I'm so excited that you're joining us. We are just about one month away from the conference. Our team is getting so excited and we are kicking into high gear so that we can get every detail right. This may be our best event ever. And I'm not being dramatic when I tell you that there are only a handful of tickets left. I hope you've all already been to the website and seen all of the great things that we have added. For everyone who has a conference ticket, you now have some options. We have add-on learning labs that zero in on specifics. We have professional headshots available and multiple publisher appointments that you can sign up for. You have to sign up for them and they are all limited capacity. So if any of these things are tugging at your heart, now's your chance. Also, did you see the big announcement from Declare? We are now offering a devotional mini book written by the Declare planning team. It's full of inspiring reflections about what sweet as honey means to each of us. It can be used as a Bible study or just individually, but we hope you will find sweet encouragement there and that it prepares your heart for what's to come October 2nd through the 4th. The devotional is included with your 2017 ticket purchase, or if this isn't your year to attend, it's available on our website for a nominal fee. Okay, so in our last episode, we talked to Jan Greenwood. Jan brought so much inspiration when she talked about the enemy's scheme to pit women against one another, how to be a great friend, and being open to the interruptions of God. She also talks about being in a rut of discontent and what you can do about it. That's episode 58, so if you have not heard that yet, go ahead and add it to your podcast queue. Today, we're on episode 59, Front Row Seats to Miracles with Amy Ford. Amy is a wife and a mom and the founder of Embrace Grace Ministries. She has an exceptional story of how God used a young girl trapped in the worst decision of her life and turned it into a thriving ministry whose impact reaches more than 40 states and six countries. In our conversation today, you'll hear about how one supposed mistake birthed an international ministry God's wounds versus church wounds, and get an inside look at her creative process. She also shares a powerful and convicting story of forgiveness. She has so much wisdom, but before we get started, I want to take just a second to say a huge thank you to one of our podcast sponsors, Freedom Firm. Freedom Firm works to rescue minors who've been sold into the commercial sex trade, restore their identities, and then seek justice against those who perpetrate the crimes. There are plenty of ways that you can get involved and help with this critically important mission. Just click on their link in the show notes to find out more and to find out how you can get involved. But for now, let's get started with our conversation with Amy Ford. Well, hey, Amy, how are you? Welcome to the Declare podcast. Hey, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I'm so excited that you're coming to Declare this year because I've heard a lot about you. I have friends that know about you and your ministry, and we're going to talk about that. And so I'm so excited to meet you. But I thought what would be a great place for us to start is if you would just tell us a little bit about you and your family, and I would love for you to share about your story. Okay, well, let's see. Where do we even start? I'm actually a mom. I've been married for 18 years, and I have four kids. I have uh, one that actually just went off to college yesterday, so I'm kind of sitting in the aftermath of that, of emotions, of being super excited and kind of nervous for him, and he's only been there 24 hours. He's having a hard time connecting with um, other kids so far in the first 24 hours, and I was like thinking of all the people, like trying to set up a mom date, you know, a play date. I'm like, what am I doing? I have problems. He's That's 18. so funny. 
Um, and so then I have a sophomore, a girl, she's 15, she's gonna be a sophomore. And I have, uh, another daughter that is in fifth grade and a son that's starting kindergarten. So I have two boys and two girls, one's going into college and one's going into kindergarten. So oh, they're busy. Out. Yes. And I, I think like to think, you know, I get super sad about Jess leaving and going off to college. He's going four hours away. So it's a little bit of a, a shock at our family, but I do think it helps to think while well, I'm starting all over with a kindergartner. And I mean, it's just like, you don't have time to be too sad about it. you got to keep going. And so, and with Jess, he's super special to our family because I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19. And, um, and I, had really convinced myself that possibly abortion was the way to move forward because I was so scared. I thought my parents were going to disown me and I thought that my, um, I would be homeless and all of these things that the enemy tries to lie to you about and tell you what's going to happen. And I, I actually went to the abortion clinic to have it done and I ended up hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room. And when I came to, I had nurses feigning me and uh, one just said, you know what, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. You can come back another day, but today you are not getting an abortion. And I walked back out in the waiting room and the father of the baby who is now my husband, you know, he saw my face was all swollen and puffy from crying. And um, we just decided in that moment to just see what was going to happen. If we were going to be homeless and we'd figure it out, you know, if we, if our parents were going to hate us, we'd figure it out. And so we did it scared. And of course, God knew all along exactly what we needed. And we had Jess when I was 16 weeks pregnant. And I mean, I'm sorry, when I was 16 weeks pregnant, we were, we got married and, um, and then I, I had Jess and he, his name means gift. And I really do feel like he is the best gift ever. Like he, God knew exactly what we needed. And that, you know, a lot of times, when girls have unplanned pregnancies, God might use a baby to draw a girl back to his heart. And that's what he did, you know, that God used just to make me fall in love with God even more and for me to start pursuing him again, because I was going the wrong direction. And I think when we can just lay our eyes on the sweetest face we've ever seen, and we fall in love with this baby that it just helps us kind of have a small inkling of how much God loves us so very much. And so, you know, I raised a kid, I keep saying that with all these college posts and sending him off yesterday, but in a lot of ways, Jess raised me um, by having him so young. And I had a lot of growing up to do over the last 18 years, and God knew what I needed to help me. Um, And then that just has fueled my passion um, with what I do now. That's really a terrific story and really a miracle. I kind of love how God worked all that out. But it had to be pretty scary when you made the decision to keep the baby. That meant you had to tell your families. What was that like? Well, it wasn't, you know, we had really just thought in our heads it was going to be this horrific experience. We're going to be the black sheep of the family, you know, and we both were, I was the oldest and he um, was the middle. And so it was just, it was something that we had really played up big in our heads of what their reaction was going to be. And they were disappointed. Um, They were sad about just the timing of it all, but it wasn't what we thought it was at all. It wasn't that our life was over. You know, we, they moved on and now, you know, Jess has been really what has helped keep our family just very close knit. They're all, you know, so 
sad that he's leaving too. He's the first grandbaby on both sides. So um, it wasn't what we thought. It definitely though, during that season, it was very lonely. Like even though my family for the most part was um, supportive and there for me, um, I really felt like it was a lonely time where, you know, people just don't know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry. So they just don't say anything. And so you just have a lonely season of being pregnant and not planning on being pregnant. And you're just in this, this situation where you're not sure what tomorrow looks like and you need a support system. And, um, and that was hard. And even with our, we had a, a pastor that we had asked to marry us. Um, when Jess, when I was 16 weeks pregnant, we wanted to get married and uh, we had been together for several years. We knew, we always knew we wanted to get married. And so the man that had led my husband to the Lord years before we had asked him if he would conduct the ceremony. And he said, I'm sorry, I can't bless this marriage because you sinned. I, I can't marry you. And it was just like, we had the scarlet letter for everyone. Like we can't even get married, right? Like we've screwed up so bad. We can't even get married before God. And so we ended up finding someone else that would marry us, but it just felt like everyone was against you. But a couple years later, that man that wouldn't marry us, you know, and it really hurt even more just because he was Ryan's mentor and he had led Ryan to the Lord, like Ryan loves this guy, but he called us two years later out of the blue, he called Ryan and he said that he thought about it every single day. He felt like it was his worst mistake in pastoring history that he had ever made. And he asked Ryan for forgiveness and my husband forgave him and they are still to this day, very close friends. And he um, is still Ryan's mentor. He lives, he's a pastor in Austin now. And in fact, just a couple years ago, he had become preached at his church and he was very um, open with the congregation of like what had happened years before and um, how he felt like he had a religious spirit and a Pharisee heart years. And he had asked Ryan for forgiveness. And so he told his whole church, you know, that now Embrace Grace has started. And he was very open and authentic and vulnerable and everything with his congregation. And after I had preached, he asked me and my son, which at the time Jess was 16, he asked uh, us to come in front of the whole congregation. And he said, you know, Amy, years ago, I had asked Ryan for forgiveness, but I've never really asked you, will you forgive me for what I did, you know, 16 years before? And of course, I was like, yes, you know, we've moved past that a long time ago. Of course, I forgive you. And then he looked at my son and he said, Will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart before you were ever even born? And while you were in your mother's womb, I rejected you. And will you forgive me? And it was such a powerful moment to see my 16-year-old son in front of this whole congregation say, I forgive you. And it was beautiful. Like you could just even feel church wounds being lifted in that moment. Like it was just so amazing um, to see what... God did in that moment and the healing that happened and so many hearts. And so that really, um, again, just still fuels my passion for wanting to make sure that girls with unplanned pregnancies know that this isn't the end of the world and that, um, you know, it's going to be hard, but that there's, this is a miracle and that every baby is a miracle and a blessing, whether they choose to parent or place for adoption, um, that we want to walk alongside them and no single mom should ever walk alone. That's just an incredible story, especially the part about the pastor being so humbled as to ask for forgiveness from all of you, including your son. Yeah. I've never heard of a story like that before. That's amazing. I know. And he's playing a, a very 
amazing role in our development of the guys. Uh, we're trying to, to work on a dad's program and he's helping us write it and brainstorm about it. And I love that he has a huge part in this ministry now, even after um, everything that we went through 18 years ago, that he uh, wants to to change, uh, make a change for new dads that are in this situation. Like he's just, we love him so much. We were even just at his 50th birthday party in Austin uh, last month. Like we just, he's so amazing. Oh, well, I feel like I have to meet this man. I, I was just listening to something from Anne Lamont, and she was saying that earth is forgiveness school. Mm, that's but so true. Isn't that so true? But I think that he could teach a lot of us by taking us to apology school. Oh, yeah, true. I mean, I feel like those two things kind of go hand in hand. And what a story. Yeah. I would love to know, though, how you took that experience and allowed it to lead you to create the ministry that you now have. Can you share a little bit about Embrace Grace, where it came from, and kind of how you established that? Yeah, well, you know, after everything that happened, you know, I tried to go to church, and I'm a people person, like I have a million friends, and it seemed like all of a sudden people that I loved for so long didn't really know what to say anymore. And so I felt totally alone and a huge body of people. So I stopped going for years. And then when Jess was about 10, we really felt like we kind of would get, we would try one church and then we'd like skip three months and then try a different church and we'd skip three months. And until we came to Gateway and we just really felt like it was home and it was different than any other church. And this was when Gateway was way smaller than they are now. In 2008, I was at a Pink Impact, which is uh, Gateway's women's conference and Christine Kane was speaking and Carrie Job was leading worship. And I just really, I had a vision and uh, it was during worship and I had a vision of me having an unplanned pregnancy. It was like snapshots going through my mind and it was me having an unplanned pregnancy. The pictures, I looked kind of sad and young and then Fast forward, the pictures started changing. And to that that year, I had thrown 13 baby showers for my girlfriends. They all had a baby boom. And I love throwing parties and celebrating anything that like that. And I always have the cute decor and things like that. So I was the go-to party hostess. So I had thrown 13 baby showers that year. So the vision had changed to me throwing baby showers. Um, and so... I was like, I don't know what that means. I had never had a vision before. In fact, I've never had a vision since. It's the only vision I've ever had so far. And so I was like, I don't know what that means. So I went to, I was leaving and, and my friend, Selena, she's our co-founder. She was a couple girls away from me. And I told her what I saw. She's like, I just kept hearing help the moms and babies, you know, and, and we had never really even talked about this being a passion at all before up to this point. So we saw one of the group's pastors as we were leaving. And I told her about the vision at, at Gateway and she said, you know what, why don't you just start a small group for girls with unplanned pregnancies? The baby shower can kind of get be the hook or, or what gets them to even want to come. And then God just will do the rest. Like, why don't you lead a group, a small group? And I had never led anything in my life like that before. Um, we tried to Google single and pregnant curriculum. There was no such thing. We had no idea what we were going to teach or how to teach. We had never done anything like that before, but we really felt like God wanted us to. So um, even with the name, we felt like Embrace Grace was the name. And we started Googling, like, what could we teach 
And one day, Selena Googled Embrace Grace and a book popped up by Liz Curtis Higgs. Who's, she's written like Bad Girls of the Bible and some other books. And it's just yeah. a super easy book about like it talks about salvation and forgiveness and repentance. And just it's easy to understand, yet so full of grace. And I'm like, well, that's so weird that it's called Embrace Grace. Like that was the name we'd already picked. So let's just do this like it could work. So we did it. And three girls came to that class. One was my cousin. Uh, one was a girl in August in Texas who wore a coat because she was so terrified of stepping foot into a church and for everyone to see her pregnant belly. And another one that wouldn't make eye contact. She was just so cute, wore Converse and purple hair. And she just wouldn't look us in the eye. Like she, you could just see the hopelessness on her face. And we really didn't know much what, what we were doing. We just are really good at cheering people on. So we were just like, you're going to be a great mom. God loves you. It's going to be okay. You know, just every week we just would cheer them on and tell them how much God loves them and how he has plans for them. And it was amazing to see in a 12-week period of time how they were completely transforming from the inside out. Uh, they got saved. They um, they had hope again. They felt encouraged. They didn't feel alone. They finally felt like someone else knew how they felt and what they were going through. A lot of times when they're in that situation, their friends just kind of leave and leave them um, totally alone because they don't, again, know what to say or do. So they just kind of become distant. And so they feel completely alone. So it was amazing to see that transformation in the girls. And we were hooked even as leaders. So we did it again and three more girls came and then we did it again and eight and then 14 and then 21. And then randomly other churches started calling us saying, this is really cool. Will you show us how to do it too? And we kind of started writing our own curriculum, like not really still fully understanding what God was doing. It was more of like, oh my goodness, halfway through the semester, their walls are really coming down. Like we need to have a freedom night or like a chains night where we just really pray with them about their past hurts and wounds. And we give them a chain bracelet to symbolize that their chains have been broken and they've been set free. And so we've been like, we would just kind of implement different things until eventually it ended up being like our own program and our own curriculum. And still, you know, in that time when churches were calling us, I mean, we would just send a word documents I and mean, it was totally a mess. And it wasn't until 2012, we were up to like maybe 10 churches, 12 churches. I can't remember exactly where we were, we were realizing, oh, God wants us to help people help people. Like we're having so much fun with helping the girls and we totally want to still do that. But these churches are calling us like they want, they need the tools to know how to help the girls and they have the heart. They just don't have the practical uh, curriculum and things like that. And so God wants us to help people help people. So in 2012, after many confirmations, like we felt like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to start a national organization to help churches all over the nation to have small groups for girls with unplanned pregnancies. And we help connect them to local pregnancy centers that, you know, they usually give the girls a pregnancy test. And if they have a positive one, then the pregnancy center can refer girls to local churches that have Embrace Grace groups. And a lot of times the baby shower is, uh, that's part of the program. And that's kind of what maybe they even, I mean, we've had girls that say, I'm coming only for the free stuff. I hope that's okay with you. And then we're <laughs> like their life completely changes. We've had girls that come for the free stuff and then come back to lead. And they're just not even the same person. We've had girls get saved at the baby showers or their family members get saved at the baby showers. It's just so beautiful to see how God has 
take in this idea. And, you know, it was obviously a God idea. I love, there's something, I know I read it in the blessed church, but I know Pastor Robert was quoting someone else and I'm totally blanking on who it was, but he said that a uh, vision is dreamed down, not dreamed up. So like that, that God gives us a vision from him into our hearts and that's what he did. And he, I think if he would have told me like the impact or, or what, where it is even today, which I know, you know, 2012, it started. So we're only, um, a few years into this. And I know this is still just the beginning, but I think if God would have told me back in 2008, when that first little small group of three girls, you know, that he was going to start a nonprofit. And I think that I would have got scared and maybe, you know, ran, I don't know, or else I would have jumped ahead and got too excited and screwed it all up. I'm, I'm thankful that he's given it to us. And, and baby pieces and little like little puzzle pieces where, you know, oh, okay, I see how this piece that this happened last year, this is fitting together into this and how he's like a trailblazer and we just want to run behind and we have no idea. Like we know we want to hear him and we, but we have, and we have the mission and vision that he dreamed down into our hearts. Um, but other than that, the way that we do it and the, how we get there, like we're just totally spirit led along the way and, and grow at his pace. But it's been fast 2014 we finally were like we had enough of a little bit of funding to actually have an office and so that was really when we had our kids in childcare our mother's day out you know we our office is cool because we get to leave at three o'clock every day so we get to go still pick up our kids every day from school but um in 2014 is when we got into our first office and hit the ground running hard and it was july of 2014 which is just last month that would be three years that we've been in an office and we're up to I'm not sure what the count is exactly today, but I think it's like 376 or 377 uh, groups in uh, in churches and then 44 states and six countries um, that just since 2014, and we've had 100% group growth rate two years in a row. So it's definitely, we have to be adaptable with all the growth and the change. And a lot of us are still doing, you know, we're talking to vice presidents and we're cleaning toilets. Like we're all just doing a lot of different job roles all at the same time. But it is so fun to just be along for the ride and just say, God, this is your ministry. I'm thankful that he's allowing me to steward it, hopefully forever, or if it's just for a season, however long he wants, I'm thankful that I get to steward this dream that he dreamed down and but it's his. And so we just want to listen and just totally lean into what he wants for this and how to do it. And it's just been, it's like the best adventure ever. We say every day we have front row seats to miracles. Oh, I love that front row seats to miracles. Mm -hmm. So your story is absolutely amazing. And obviously, you follow the spirit wherever he will lead. And he has led you to, you know, multiple groups in tons of states and countries, which is just an incredible, incredible story. But I'm wondering, after you first decided not to have the abortion, when you decided to get married and you had to tell your families all of this, did you carry around with you a sense of shame about any of that? And did you ever worry or did you ever think that that shame would somehow prevent you from being fully who you are? Because it seems like if there was some shame, you had to push past it in order to get to where you are today. So I'm just curious about if you did experience that, how did you push through it? How did you get out of your own way to create this ministry? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I just really kind of ran from God for a while just because I associated God with church and people and not necessarily separating it. So, you know, the pastor that wouldn't marry us, I would look at that as like a God wound when really it was more of a church wound, you know. And so the shame that kind of added to the shame. And so I kind of ran from it for a while. But I really feel like in 2008 at that specific peak impact, there was a lot of healing and really the year leading up to that when I really started getting plugged into a healthy church and that where God started stripping away the shame. And back then, I didn't really even think of the word shame. Like it wasn't, you know, right now it's right with Brene Brown and all the, the vulnerability stuff, which I love so much. But back then, it's just like, I don't know, at least I didn't hear it. I didn't feel like I heard it. So it kind of would manifest manifest itself in different ways that I didn't realize that the root was shame, you know, just like it not even wanting to go to church, you know, that was a, a root of that was also shame, you know, just, you know, or that I had to be good enough or per- perfect enough to go. Uh, but whenever I started being more open with my uh, story, that's when I feel like I was really starting to overcome a lot of the shame it was very empowering too, as I share my story, it creates so many me too moments where people are like, Oh my goodness, me too. That happened to me. Or maybe I experienced an abortion and you know, and I talk about how close I was to it. And thank you for sharing your story because this is something that I'm don't know how to talk about and I don't know how to receive healing from or, and so it's like it empowers you. It's almost like a domino effect as the more you talk about it, the more it creates the me too moments. And then you realize you're not alone and then no one's perfect. And then um, even with, Jess, you know, I had a book release in 2013 for a bump in life. And it's just full of of testimonials of girls that chose life. And when we when it released, I had been asked to be on Jane on like James Robinson's show and focus on the family and some other things. And so I knew Jess was 13 at the time. And I knew that I needed to tell him his story like and I could realize, oh, there's more shame there. God, you know, that you're working on because I'm struggling with even sitting down to tell him what happened 13 years before, you know, we took him to the Cheesecake Factory and had all my friends praying. And and so it's like, it's almost like a layer by layer, you know, like, oh, there's a little bit more I need to work through. But I think when fully, it was fully out and everyone knew, I think that was when Satan didn't have any foothold of being able to, to mess with my mind and my thoughts, you know, as far as the shame goes. So the more, um, you know, I love how the scripture that says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I, I feel like that's one huge way of overcoming is overcoming shame by sharing our story and whether, whatever that looks like, you know, and I feel like declare, especially is such a perfect way to really partner with heaven and ask God, how is it through writing? Is it through speaking? Is it um, through just little bits and pieces through social media? Or what what does it look like? And and to ask God, how do we overcome and how do we um, process all of these thoughts that we go through or layer by layer of anything that he wants to work on us about because it empowers others to be able to be bold and say me too. And I want to share my story too. Well, absolutely. Because sharing your story I mean, I feel like the reason that it dissolved your shame was because you brought it into the light. And that's where God says that evil can't touch it. I mean, that was a brave, courageous thing to do, especially to tell your son. How did he react when he told him? Well, he, you know, he's a typical boy. So he's like, you know, we we had all these people praying and we made it kind of this big dramatic thing, taking him, you know, not the other siblings couldn't go. It was just him. We're going to take you to the Cheesecake Factory. And then as he's having dessert, we dropped the bomb on him. And, you know, I was like, how does this make you feel, Jess? Tell me how you're feeling right now. 
you know, a typical <laughs> boy. And he's just like, I don't know. This is cool. Like, I don't know. And so he didn't really say much. But then um, and I kind of tried to stay connected to like keep checking in on him. But I I did find out after the fact even more so. And, it, and I love that he's actually sharing his story right now with a lot of people. And he started a ministry called Ignite. And uh, but he said there was six months there after I shared my story with him where initially he was like, well, that's a cool story. But the enemy really started uh, lying to him to say that he wasn't wanted and that he wasn't planned and that maybe God doesn't have a plan for him and um, just really went down a dark path for about six months until God spoke to his heart. And it was in one moment where God just said, you know, your parents may not have initially planned you, but I have huge plans for you. And I knew exactly what I was doing. And um, he said in that moment, his thoughts of despair changed to thoughts of joy and thoughts of hope. And um, he now shares a story. I love, he says he's an overcomer before he was ever even born and that Satan had a plan to take him out, but he's here and he wants to use his story to change the world. And, and so there was definitely some hurts that he had to process through. Um, and, you know, things even says, you know, I had great parents. It's not anything that my parents did. It was more just the same thing of how enemy, the enemy likes to lie to us about our value and our identity. And, and that's where he likes to attack the most. And that's where he tried to attack with Jess and, um, he really leaned into like Pastor Kyle Fox at Gateway, his NRH youth pastor, and and just really leaned in to help uh, process some of the thoughts that he was going through. And I'm so thankful now that he uses his platform to, and he's he's going to ORU to be to go into ministry, and he looks at it now as how, how he's an overcomer, and I love that. I'm I'm just blown away how something that started off as something that could have been so tragic and was so frightening has now turned into this ripple of blessings and movement in your family. I mean, from that one experience came your ministry. And from the child from that experience is now coming another ministry. And you're spreading the message. This is so powerful, so anointed, so ordained. It's just amazing. There's no other word for it. It's fun to watch. I think our favorite thing to say around the office is guess what like we're just constantly like the stories of what God is doing it's really awesome to see and it's definitely not me or not Jess I mean it's really just it's his anointing is just on this vision and so we're just thankful that we get to play a part in it I am so thankful too I feel so inspired by your story but I want to ask you a little bit about the business of ministry Mm -hmm. And because you're in so many countries and states, you have so many small groups with your son going into ministry, all of that kind of stuff. How do you keep it all organized? What habits do you have that help you stay on track with that? And tell me a little bit about your office space. Me personally, like as far as how I personally organize, we're not really, we have a, an office assistant here, but she's not really my, I, I don't have a personal assistant. And, and as you know, as we were recording this podcast, I was like 30 minutes late. Like I totally, you know, I don't have anyone that's helping me and I wish I did. But so I've had to really learn how to be strategic and really try to figure out the best system that works for me having such a busy sex schedule and just not being, I'm not really a type A type person. I'm not naturally organized or um, I'm okay going to bed with several dishes in the sink or not making my bed when I leave in the morning. Like I'm just kind of more that way. Right. Um, and so I've had to really come up with systems that help me to try to st- stay on track. And so for me, you know, I use my phone definitely for um, all of my scheduling and, 
Uh, we use a system called Salesforce here in the office. So when people want to schedule something into my calendar, they can put it in their Salesforce calendar and it syncs to mine. And I do check my phone quite a bit, but really I'm still an old fashioned paper girl. And so what I do for my system and people are so amazed by it because they're just like, really? But I have an old fashioned planner and it's the kind where it's a weekly, every spread is a week. And then on the right hand side, right. there's to do's and or one whole page is like to do's on one side and then a week on the on the other spread, the other page of the spread. And so basically, I write out all of the things that I would love to do this week to get done. Some are a little bit like you you already, can you see your schedule? Like that is probably not going to happen, but I still write it down anyways in case I have an extra moment. And so whatever doesn't get crossed off, it carries over to the next week and I rewrite it out the next week. Um, so it's something that just carries over week by week by week. And there's something about me writing it out that helps it me remember and it sticks in my head more. Um, you know, my sister, she works here as a groups manager and she's very much like she creates tasks through her Salesforce and she is like a task master. I mean, she just goes through all her tasks and she checks them off and, um, and then it's all digital, 100% digital. And so she does it a completely different way. Way. But for me, I just really like the paper as far as just my daily to do's. And we really here at the office, we because we all run really lean and mean, we've been really looking into Michael Hyatt systems. Um, but our office is super creative space. I would love for anyone out there, if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area, you can drop by our office anytime. One of the things I love the most is that every office, it's like we don't even have desks, we have like kitchen tables is just like so happy. And so um, the atmosphere is so peaceful and calming. Well, I love how you're talking about your creative office space. I f and it also feels like the written calendar that you use. I mean, I am a write it out girl. I heard Beth Moore once say that if you used a blue pen, then you remembered things even better. So I always use a blue pen, I have to write everything out. It sounds a little bit like you have a bullet journal going on. Yeah. Yeah. I have to take a picture and send it to you so you can see it. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right. So as we were talking there, you mentioned that you are kind of obsessed with Michael Hyatt's podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put a link for that on the show notes. But technology is constantly changing. And at Declare, we really want to equip people to, you know, have the most fun with the latest and greatest and also kind of give them permission to get rid of something that maybe isn't working for them. So I like to ask everybody, what are you obsessed with and what are you completely over? Now, I know you're obsessed with the Michael Hyatt podcast, but is there something out there that you're just done with that just does not work for you anymore? Not as far as technology goes. You know, we have podcasts here that we love. I use the the Casts app is the app that I use, and I listen to so many different um, sermons as I'm driving back and forth. One thing that I'm absolutely obsessed with right now is discipleship and looking at it even from a business standpoint of how to implement that in, in my personal life, my family life. Uh, my private life and my, uh, I'm sorry, my church life and my work life. And so how does it look like to disciple people? And, you know, to think about how Jesus, the last thing that he said that he told uh, his disciples before he went to, to die on the cross, he told them to uh, make disciples. And, and I love that, like Francis Chan is so amazing. How he talks about how there's so many people that are like, Oh, we need to sit and study about, you know, making disciples, or we need to memorize scriptures about making disciples. But like, how many of us are literally 
doing that? And what does that look like for someone that is extremely busy and has meetings every single day? And, you know, what does it look like to actually make time to disciple someone? Because a discipleship is not a meeting. It is a, um, it's, it's walk with me, it's follow me. And so how do you bring that into your work life? Like, how can you, and so I'm like trying to, the thing that I'm, I'm done with is putting God in a box and trying to follow some sort of, um, of mold of, of what I just want, what God wants. And so there may be Michael Hyatt things I pick up on, or I, I love Francis Chan. I love so many, uh, like, I just want to ask God, what does he want? And I want him to lead this organization. That is one thing, like, it's not really technology right now that I'm totally obsessed with. It's more of this, what does this discipleship look like, even on a business standpoint and a ministry standpoint of inviting people along and, and taking God's command 100% serious of uh, making disciples. It's so interesting to me, even though I've heard it a million times, it's like God's really putting it on my heart. And even, especially with millennials, like how, how can we uh, disciple them? And they're, cause they're amazing. And I love them so much and I see so much greatness in them and I want to help um, however I can. Oh yeah. The millennial thing, especially, I think it's Andy Stanley that talks about how that's about the time when we lose these kids and we have to sort of fill the gap. Right so that they have it in their childhood and again in their adulthood without that missing piece. Right. So I love that you're obsessed with that. I know, that. and I, I hear millennials are caught, not taught. So it's not necessarily about teaching them, it's showing them and showing what, what you do, and, and so hopefully they'll be inspired by it and want to um, dream again and, and all of that. So I'm just asking God to show us what does that look like as a ministry? I mean, obviously we are a ministry, but we're also a business. Like we, you know, we all work at our desk all the time. And, and so what does that look like to disciple even on a, in a, a business type of ministry, you know? Absolutely. Okay. So I feel like you have got so much incredible wisdom and you've just already given us some great techniques to follow, but also a really inspirational story. And you're joining us at Declare, and I was just wondering, do you have anything you could tell us about maybe what you're going to be speaking on? Yeah, I, you know, I think that one of the most common questions that I get here serving in Embrace Grace is, you know, people come in and we're like, I really want to start a ministry or I really want to do some sort of project or whatever, and they or get hung up by they feel like they have to have this big following or they have to wait until they get to a certain amount of followers on social media or they have to wait until um, they're asked by a literary agent to write a book you know there's different things that they get we get hung up on as to why we don't feel like we are equipped or called to do what God is asking us to do very plainly. And so, um, and so one of the things that I love to talk about is how God has given us all a platform. It may be small right now. It may be, you know, if you have one follower, you have that platform. And so how to be a good steward of that. And uh, God, if you, if you are faithful with little, God will bless you with much. And, and so we have, what does that look like to just be obedient and not have to have everything figured out and, oh, we're not technically a 501c3 yet, or, you know, whatever it is, well, you can minister to people. If you feel like you want to minister with girls without unplanned pregnancies, you don't have to wait until one 
ABC is done. Like you can do something right now with the people that you know and just be willing and able and God watch what God does. And so uh, there's some practical things and some in, and just more of inspiring things of what we can do with the platform that God's given us and see what God does, how he opens up doors and not being stuck or paralyzed by, um, oh, I don't have this yet or that yet. Well, there's something you can do right now and let, and watch what he will do when we're when we're obedient with the small things. Um, he's going to open more doors for us. And it's the best adventure ever. It's so fun. So I'm excited to be doing a, a workshop as well as uh, at the conference itself. So I can't wait to meet everybody and, um, and we'll have a booth there as well. So we're excited. Oh, I love it. I love all the resources that you're bringing and I love your topics. And people can find out more about your topics on the website. Well, I am just so thankful that you took the time today, especially out of your busy schedule, especially having just dropped your son mm-hmm. off at college, because I know I just dropped my daughter off at college, that it is an emotionally heavy time. And so for you to just write us in to the weekly part of your calendar and put us on your to-do list is really amazing. So I'm super grateful for that. And I just, I can't wait to see you at Declare and soak in everything that you have to share. I can't wait to hang out with you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we will see you soon. Thank you, Anne. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Declare Conference podcast. Amy is incredible. She has so much wisdom and so much insight. I hope even now you've already picked up a pen and made some notes. But Amy's going to join us at Declare this year, so you're not going to want to miss her session. Actually, she's got two sessions, so you don't want to miss either. In the meantime, you can find out more about Amy and Embrace Grace when you go to DeclareConference.com. Everything that we talked about today is in the show notes. A huge thank you to our sponsor today, Freedom Firm. For more information about getting involved with this life-changing work, click on their link. So that's all. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Declare Conference podcast.